Agustin, tell everybody where we are. We are in Mexico City. Thank you for having me. Very excited. And uh, Ciudad de México. Ciudad de México, Distrito Federal. Distrito Federal was a few years ago. Now it's changed to a to a city. So it's actually a city now. So it's not we're not allowed to say anymore Distrito Federal, which was DF. Uh, now it's just CDMX, Ciudad de México. So, uh, and Augustine, for people when you're in an elevator and they say, oh, what do you do? What do you say? I'm an architect. You don't say golf course architect? Well, the first thing that I am is an architect. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a licensed vertical architect and I'm specialized in golf course architecture. So, was there a point in your life when you weren't going to do golf courses? No. Well, yes. Yes, because uh, I wanted to do something with sports. I, that I wanted to do. When I decided to be an architect when I was in, sixth, in fifth, fifth grade elementary. Uh, I can't explain why. It just happened. And without hesitation, I went signed up for architecture, and it's been my passion since I was in fifth grade. Why do you think? I, I, just, just, just divine intervention, I think. Just, just a sign, and that's it. I took it. I don't, it's some things you don't really need to know why. Right. Just do them. Right. So that was my it. first part. The next one is... Uh, I wanted to, to how can I how can I do this how can I mix my architecture with sports so at first I thought I would do stadiums maybe or or country clubs or whatever mixed with uh, with mixed with sports and then uh, I discovered or it discovered me golf course architecture and uh, and that was it that was bam and uh, and that was my that was my life so uh, I'm going to try to give everyone a little background here. You and I met through uh, one of your most recent projects, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. Chablé. Chablé, which is, is it the nicest hotel in Mexico? It is not only in Mexico, it's probably in the world. And, and, and when it comes to, to resort spa, uh, it has had all sorts of, uh, of, of awards are all over the world. So yeah. We, uh, we found it. We came down here where, where, you know, this podcast will be released around the time that we released the footage from Mexico. So you'll all be seeing, if you're listening, they'll be, you know, you'll meet Augustine on camera and we'll get Augie, as his friends call him. Yeah. How do they okay. spell that? Is there a spelling for Augie? A-U-G-I-E. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the common way of, of doing it. Sometimes they do it with two Gs, depending if I'm in, in Europe or in the States. Augie sounds, to be honest, kind of like a waspy, uh, you know, Connecticut name. Like Augie, like he's got a leather jacket, like blonde hair, you know. Is it a common name in Mexico? Nope, not at all. Huh. Not at all. So anyway, we'll but, get to where you were born and stuff like that. But the overall is uh, born in Mexico, uh, yes. works, work, worked here for your entire life. Uh, obviously traveling, you know, traveling around to the different projects. But uh, the way we met was around this very interesting project at Chablé, which is a uh, hacienda that essentially is extraordinarily uh, luxurious, but also bent towards wellness. And you went in to add to that. Yes, they created it. It's a very important concept and very unusual concept as well because they're creating their their own make of wellness. They are creating the uh, the Chablé brand of wellness. And uh, as we all know, you know, wellness is a, uh, you know, a well-being of 360 degrees, you know, so feeling good about yourself, feeling good with yourself, and, and not only that, but also enjoying life. So they have that little twist about that wellness. It's about enjoying. So they have one of the biggest, if not the biggest collection of tequila bottles in the world. Uh, they have obviously the spas that, that, that just offer a great experience in a cenote. The cenote is like a big natural pool made, made of, of, of underground rivers. And it is just an experience that take you, takes you back 
centuries ago when the, when the Mayans uh, uh, were around. So that, that's, that embodies the chablé. When I was asked to, to create a, a golf experience, I really don't, didn't know what to expect. I knew that I wanted to do something very original, very unique for the place. So I spent a few days there, got inspired by the, by the area, by the place, um, and created what I now call wellness golf. So uh, it, it starts by, number one, asking and, and, and persuading the golfers or the visitors, because it's not made for only for golfers, uh, to play barefoot, connect with nature, be oneself, be with nature, and connect and, and play and enjoy the 360 degrees of a golf experience. A lot of people play golf, but they don't really stop and smell the coffee. They don't really stop to listen to the birds. They don't really stop to listen to nature, to look at the sunset, to look at different aspects of the flora, the fauna, the experience, the textures that you see on a golf course. That's what I want the visitor to do at Chablis. Yeah, so I mean, it, I, it, it's so exciting to hear about all this, right? Because we've now been there and, and experienced it for ourselves. And I guess to give a little background on how the story originated a little further is we're making a film for the USGA about the, quote, future of golf and how that's going to uh, manifest in ways that aren't traditional 18 holes. And also how urban development is complicating, uh, you know, the, the, the enjoyment of the game. And, you know, we came to Chablais and, and it, it under no circumstances is your traditional golf course, right? And, and in fact, I mean, would you even call it a golf course? Well, it's, I call it a golf complex. So, right. uh, so that gets me away from any trouble. But yeah, right. so, and from any marketing, you don't want, you don't want to, you know, you, don't, you, you want to be fair and true to your, to your audience and to your marketing abilities and everything. So it's important to, to I've, I've, I've said it's important to call it a, a golf complex, wellness golf, uh, etc. When you say a golf course, at the end of the day, it is a golf course, and uh, but but people would probably think that it's an 18-hole championship plus plus, and and that that is all to a certain extent uh, uh, a myth. You know that that only happened through times and now and through time and now the custom became the norm. But golf was was started centuries ago and it was played on 12 holes on six. On 22, St. Andrews was 22 uh, holes at one time. The only reason why it became 18 was that they needed space for the clubhouse. So they knocked down two holes at the end, and the other and the other two they connected them with the with 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 the last two, and that's how it became 18. So and then the norm, or and then the custom became the norm. So I'm sure everybody's wondering what is Chablais? Like, like what what is this golf complex? How, what does it consist of? It consists on four greens placed strategically. If you see it from up on top, it has a, the form of an X, uh, which also uh, aligns into Mexico. You know, Mexico is the only country that has an X in its name. So, so you have is that, that. Really true. Yeah, the other than Luxembourg, but it's not a but it's not a country. It's a it's a, That's a town. Whoa, yeah. the only country with an X in its name. Yeah. So, uh, so it has a little bit of that touch. It has, uh, you know, that creating that X creates different also different forms of playing it. I like to see golf as a multi, um, as a, as a multi-level uh, 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 space. What do I mean? Uh, when, I, when I see a golf course, I see, you know, those, those courts that we grew up on in elementary or in high school or whatever that, you know, that, that it had on the same court. It had the volleyball, it had the, it had the basketball, it had the football, badminton, whatever. All the lines are there. You just, you know, you can play a lot of things on, on top of that court. 
I think that golf should be the same. So what I, what I figured it also like, a, you know, those Chinese checkers where you have the Chinese checkers, you pull it over and you have, and you play chess or, or you play checkers or you play, that's the magic. That's what I wanted to do on Chablet. So you can play, I mean, just for, for the use of word, you can play checkers, you can play Chinese checkers, you can play chess, you can play different aspects. So you can cross different, different, uh, the, the different greens, different shots, different, uh, uh, you can play it differently. You can, you can rent it for your family or for your party and just do a circuit, complete circuit of it because it has nine tee boxes. So you can play 18 rounds and you can play six, you can play 12, you can play whatever you want and you can rent the whole place or you can have the four X's, you know, four groups just hitting uh, shots into the different greens with everybody from their own uh, tee box or you can create, or you can just drop the ball wherever you want and, and, and create challenges. Uh, because all, you know, the different greens, they all have a different aspect of playability and shot value. So it's not only a place where you can just connect and play and, and just, and be a non-golfer and have a lot of fun. But if you're a very good golfer, you can, it's a very good short, uh, well, mid to short game facility. The largest shot is uh, 200 yards, and obviously the, the shortest is just whatever you want to chip or putt or whatever, or, or pitch. So it's also a very good practice for a, for a scratch golfer or a plus two or a plus four. You can just get there and, and you, you can stand, you, can, you, you have stance where you have the ball on top of your, of, of your feet, below your feet, at uh, 12 degrees positive uh, este, a slope, negative slope, Etc. The ins, the outs of pot bunkers, regular bunkers, waste bunkers, grass bunkers. So you can have a very good short to mid-range facility if you're also a very good golfer. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, w when we were there, I was kind of like, like it was kind of a weird experience because I was like, oh, wait, this doesn't exist anywhere. You know, there's a lot of short courses uh, or even nine-hole courses that are kind of urban and community-focused, like Goat Hill, Winter Park, uh, Punch Bowl, or no, sorry, not Punch Bowl. Um, what's the uh, preserve abandoned, you know, par three course? Um, they, but they all have routings, right? You, the, the, the Chablay course doesn't have a routing, which, I mean, I would, I'd be curious to know how um, that would work in, a, in an urban environment, right? Like, how, how could, could that potentially be a home for, well, we can get into our next subject now your creation, your, um, you know, uh, setting up of the, sorry, we have a window cleaner outside that's squeaking up and down on a wooden, basically swing set a <laughs> hundred feet above the concrete. Anyway. Um, so, uh, but anyway, how could this, how could, could, you know, well, let's talk about the first tee and, and could this chable, uh, golf compound, how, how could that grow? Do you see that being an experiment that could grow? Into further things. Well, I hope so. They, this is this is also thought to be uh, to to reproduce. You know, to be to be uh, out there as a model for anybody that wants to use it. I mean, uh, the 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 creativity is out there. You just have to be in, in in line and in the in touch with the cosmos or the universe to get these ideas. No? So so now that it's out there, I hope that that it could be recreated, redone, and uh, and inspire other other architects or designers out there and uh, to do different things. You just have to be afraid of, of uh, you just have to be excuse me not afraid of experimenting. Probably the the 
as an architect, as any artist, the 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 experimental phase is one of the most beautiful phases in our in, in our artistic career, and I, I think that I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. But I'm, I you need you need various components. You need to really just do it, just think and trust yourself and trust on your instinct, trust on what you're doing, and that you're breaking paradigms. Probably you're thinking outside the box, the old cliche. But one thing is to think outside the box, and one thing another thing is to do outside the box. I like to do outside the box. That's a different thing. So, uh, but with that, I need the client to be as crazy as I am. So you need a client to also believe in you. Probably it's the selling point. I don't know, whatever it is. But the Chablis, I'm very happy and very, very grateful with the Chablis owners because he said, oh, you know, Agustin, we love this idea. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. So they're betting as well with me into doing all that, all, all this, this. And... Uh, and well, we're here sitting down with you, so I guess it's a uh, it's a good thing now out there. No? I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing, and I think uh, you know. Well, actually, it's funny because uh, the name of the super is Danny. Is that right? Yes, Danny. Yes, it's so just... we talked with Danny, and you know, uh, I I speak uh, pretty great broken Spanish. Yeah. So, um, and I know how to like mumble along and kind of, but also agree with things that I don't even understand that they're saying. So I didn't understand a good part of what Danny was telling me, but I did understand when I asked him about you, he, he did say once or twice the word loco. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's well, fired. Number one. That, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, he was talking, I think about your ideas and this process and just how wonderfully, uh, you know, brave it was like, like, cause I mean, you know, it's not a small uh, investment in time and money and, 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 you know, thinking. And, you know, it's very hard for people to go out and put some, put some of that into where they don't know how it's going to turn out. Yes. So can you talk about what, what that actual experience was like and, and maybe introduce a little bit of who Danny is and, and how you came to work with him? Yeah, Danny Cueto, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's with us. He's our, part of our team of Pisa Golf. He's a very good and enthusiastic superintendent, as you probably uh, saw him and uh, with his attitude and all that I, I really like how he is he's also uh, very very experimental and uh, and 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 he's he's been a, a very uh, key key piece with us especially in Chablis doing the growing because the area of the Yucatan Peninsula of Mayan Mayan country it is it is not the same of growing the grass there as in fertile areas this is all rock this is all uh, uh, este, one type type of rock is is the laja. Uh, I don't know how to translate it, in, but it's laja, piedra okay. laja. And uh, so, I mean, you only get like five five centimeters of whatever two two inches of topsoil, and after that, it's all laja. So if you saw the vegetation, all the vegetation is just one size of tall vegetation. You don't see a tall tree or a short. You see kind of like all st the same size vegetation. Have you noticed that? Yeah. In all of the peninsula. So it, not a lot of things grow there. It's very, it's a challenge to actually do a golf course there. And that's, uh, so uh, that's one bit. So we're, we're, we're fantastic with him. The, the other part, you know, the local part, he says that I'm uh, local. It's probably because I, I, he, he really liked what he saw, especially on the, on the greens that we designed. You know, one of the greens, hole, hole number one, or green number one, it has a, I created a, a slide green that connects to the other part of the green. So that, you know, just thinking that if you're playing a green, I think that the putting part of it is, is a very exciting part of golf. 
So get it to the other green or to the other tee box by putting your way up to that. It creates another, another atmosphere of it, okay? It creates the, maybe a bet or maybe a challenge or maybe, a, hey, this is cool. This is kind of like a slide that goes up there or comes down, whatever you wanna, however you want to play it. And the form of it is very different. Also, number two, the, the form of it. Because I, we can get away with that in these types of, of complexes because we don't have to follow the, uh, the alignments, let's say, of a, of a proper tournament. Where, we, where I, if I've designed a, a proper championship golf course, I need to check the angles of the greens, how it's going to be pin placed, et cetera, et cetera, so that you can actually putt from one side to the other or, and, have, and, and not have to chip Little stuff like that. Here, I don't have to do it. Here, I can get away with everything. Because what I wanted to create was a, was a functional sculpture. I, I, I want you to take pictures as much as you want to play. I want you to, to, to say, wow, what, what, what is this? I've never seen this. As much as I want you to play and enjoy golf. So that's, that's where you have the mix, or where I, where, I, where I would like to have the mix, of a non-golfer saying, wow, and a golfer saying, wow. I just want to take a second to describe that, uh, the slide green that you're referring to, because I didn't have a visual of it until I got there. So it looks kind of like when you're in the gym and you see the, um, the, uh, the, the large dumbbell, right, to do, uh, to do the, um, you know, whatever kind of exercise you're going to do. Um, you know, but it's, like, it's, like the, the, it's like the two big weights with the long bar in between. So you got these kind of basically two greens with like a one-foot, or a three foot strip yeah. in between the two. And it's kind of like, you know, Lakeside in LA has a uh, putting green, practice green, and then there's a 50 foot stripe that just heads straight out nice. from it. That's one mower width, and that's for settling butts. Oh, nice. That's the okay. only reason. Fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, so I said the good ideas are just out there. They're out there. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, you know, you talked about how it's difficult to do golf courses in the Yucatan because of the Laca and, uh, you know, that, that environment now, but, Surprisingly, the Yucatan has some of the most golf courses in Mexico. We have fantastic golf courses. We have three top golf destinations in Mexico. We have uh, Cabo, as everybody knows. I mean, after Hawaii, it's the second most visited uh, it's the golf destination in all of the Americas. Whoa, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Wait. What? Yeah, after Hawaii, Cabo, Cabo is, number two. is number two in golf destinations for the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Wow, and you know what's crazy? Huh. I've never been. <laughs> well, we have I to can't change wait. that. I can't yes, wait. We have to change that. I've, I've, I've worked on uh, four projects in Cabo. Been very lucky. To, yeah. I started my career working for, for Jack Nicholas uh, construction company, Paragon, in, uh, in 98. So I built Palmilla. I built El Dorado. Uh, Querencia with Tom Fazio. And, uh, and, and recently I've, I participated in Maravillas with, uh, uh, on, on, a, on a Fred Couples course. So, so in case you're listening and you're unaware, he basically just laid down some serious street cred. <laughs> El Dorado is one of the most famous. Is El Dorado a uh, Discovery Land? Yes. Dang. Yes, yes. So what was that like? I was there before Discovery. Discovery bought it, and, oh. then, they, and then they changed six holes on the, on the ocean. They, they put him back, and they sold that real estate. And they changed the amenities. Yes. The, yeah. the amenities at Discovery Land are next level. They're the next level, yes. We, it's, so. it's, Discovery Land is the home of uh, SB2K. If, yes. you're on, if you're for the uninitiated, <laughs> you go and, there and you become a tour player off season. That's, yeah. that's the experience. Exactly. And, and the other one that, that's the little cherry on top is that uh, I just designed uh, uh, or redesigned seven holes in uh, Cabo San Lucas Country Club. 
and that's with my firm, and that's the first time a, a Mexican uh, architect is in, uh, does anything in Kabul. That's insane to me. Yeah. That's insane to me. The first time, yeah. and how many, what, what number of courses is that in Cabo? 20, 15? Uh, I don't know, probably 22, 20, I don't know. But there's, Cabo is just the, the mecca of golf. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm very privileged and honored that, that I had the chance to, to do this. Dude, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, Let's play that one. So sometime. catch me up with that. Where, where is that at now? That's in Cabo San Lucas. That's in the, um, right in the heart of Cabo San Lucas, of Cabo. So it's great. It's the first golf course. The other ones uh, uh, are in the corridor, usually, or in the Pacific side, like Kivira, which is also a fantastic track. So uh, they have, it's just a great place to, to, to go and play golf and fish and have fun. I can't wait to go there. I mean, I think we'll probably end up moving there for a month. Good. Um, so you've got Cabo. Yes, we've got, got Cabo, more. and then we have Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta, your, your subida. Yeah, yes, your that is uh, my, uh, my hometown. There I had the opportunity to work with another Jack Nicklaus signature at Punta Mita. Punta Mita is the only resort uh, that has the uh, uh, Four Seasons and St. Regis is the same property. Has it, uh, and also it has, you've probably seen it, it has the island green on the ocean, a natural island green on the ocean. Sure. That's, that's Punta Mita. So that's where, not, that, I live in Puerto Vallarta. The other one was another Jack Nick, another Nicholas uh, project that I did right there was in Vidanta. And, and, that, and I fell in love with Vallarta and now that's my home, that's my family, that's everything. So I've been 12 years now in Vallarta. And the other one is uh, Cancun, as you mentioned. But yes, it is very difficult to build in is Cancun. It, did you say Cancun or well, Yucatan? Well, it's, it's Yucatan, Riviera Maya. The thing is that it's separated by, by three states. So you have Quintana Roo, where you have Cancun. Then you have the Yucatan. And, and then you have uh, uh, over here Campeche. Yeah. So it's kind of like a Y that divides it. And, but all of that, it's called uh, Mayan country, Riviera Maya. So it, 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 uh, and it's a great, also a great golf destination. We have three major golf destinations in Mexico. I, uh, you know, we just got off of about six days in the Riviera Maya or the Yucatan or... Uh, there's other names for it you just used, but I I think I will look back on that week for the rest of my life very fondly, and not because something incredible happened. It was just an experience for me of like like almost an embarrassing realization of how wild the world is at just a short flight away. And I'm not you know I'm not I'm not bullshitting. Like I literally was like, oh my goodness, how have I never been here? This is such a a gap in my uh, you know uh, travel knowledge. And so I was thrilled. And, and I guess the, I just really wanted to get back to that point of difficult to build golf courses, specifically in the Yucatan, over the other two? Definitely. Specifically in the Yucatan. Well, anywhere you, 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 anywhere that you bump into rock, uh, and I'm talking about the Type 3 rock where you can't just rip with your dozer. You have to either dynamite or, or hammer. Wait, that wait. Increases. You do dynamite? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't even realize. I've, I've wait, done dynamite. Wait, does golf course? I don't do design, it on a regular basis. Do, wait, wait, how how did you get to watch the dynamite yes, go? Yes, I've, I've seen dynamite. Is it exciting? It is. Well, it is. It is. It is. It's, it's, Next uh, time it's you do cool. dynamite, can you call me? <laughs> yes, but it's, I not, it's not like the Roadrunner where you have the little thing and, and there's no compressor. Down, no, it's there's not like no a bike compressor. pump. <laughs> you, you need to, you you know the. It's it's uh, it's an intervention with the with the army Mexican army yeah they have Whoa. to do it properly the army yeah. comes yeah 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 they have to do, do they do it like properly. a salute and then just like <laughs> blow up the rock and like welcome I don't Campo know. I'm too busy hiding on behind some <laughs> rock <laughs> do you have to wear earplugs 
no, no, we were far away. How and, far? and they're they're dug in. They're they're dug into what do you call it? Like when you drill, yeah, and then you put in the dynamite. So whatever it is, two or three feet inside or wherever, I don't know, and then it dynamites. So it just, the explosion just it is pretty impressive, but also the the movement on the on the on the on the soil when you're there. Do you bring in like impressive. a dynamite expert? <laughs> Yeah, suppose yeah. If you do it right, yes. And they prescribe if you do it right, <laughs> aka I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be like, I got this. Yeah, I got, I got this. Give me room. And that was the fifth of July. Uh, <laughs> so wait, so wait, wait, wait. The dynamite. Okay, but but the Yucatan is if it's difficult to build golf courses, I'm surprised because they were all in such incredible condition, and I just was blown away. It is that that is why. Uh, they, they cost a lot more to build. They, uh, obviously, to maintain. You have to have very good superintendents. You have to have a very good staff. You have to have very good attention. It doesn't mean that the other ones, you don't. I mean, a golf course, at the end of the day, is a, is, is a baby. And, and not only that, but it's a crying baby. You have to deal with a crying baby for the rest of your life. And that is something that I try to explain to my clients because the, the romanticism of having a golf course is beautiful. It's just like trying to have a baby. And oh, I would love to. I would love to have a baby. Yes, yes. But then when you have it, you're like, what the hell? It's screaming. It's crying. It has uh, dots, and it's and it uh, the runny nose, and it. That's a golf course. You have to take care of it. You have to take care of it like a baby for the rest of its life. Now the growing is a different thing because it's it's a non-talking baby, and then the actual maintenance. Now it's a talking baby. Hey, I'm I have a little bit of measles. I have a little bit of chicken pox. I have to take care of me. Blah blah blah. But it's an ongoing situation. It's like putting your kids through college, man. So that's what maintenance is. So when you understand that, then you have a very good, very good product, very good golf course. If you don't understand it, then it's very difficult to get from the first stage, which is design construction, to the actual maintenance. And that's where that's where some developments uh, come down. Uh, respect on the analogy. Gracias. Did that come to you right now, or have you thought of that before? Uh, Half of it came to me right now. Half of it, I tried to explain it with different analogies to my clients. I love that. I love that definition because I think a lot of the times, you know, there's a there's a Buddhist, um, you know, not a riddle, but a, a Buddhist kind of way of thinking. And the question from the teacher to the student goes, look at this piece of paper. What do you see inside the piece of paper? And the student says, um, you know, uh, and they try to answer and they fail. And, the, and they, they'll say, you know, white. And the teacher says, no. Do you see the cloud in the piece of paper? And the student's like, uh, no. And they're like, well, do you see the raindrops? Do you see the tree? Do you see the guy that cut down the tree? Do you see the truck that brought the tree to the mill? That it got it? And like every step of the way, you see a piece of paper had thousands of people. Maybe everyone on planet Earth was involved in that creation yeah. of the piece of paper. And what's funny is we step on a golf course and we see a tee marker, you know, not put down properly or a piece of grass or a plug lie or whatever it is. And it's really interesting to realize that, you know, it is uh, it is a living, growing thing that has had thousands of people involved in its maintenance, creation, and and that's a really cool thing that I think we as golfers, you know, it it would be interesting to sort of. I think that's why you're in, on this show right now. So there you well, go. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's something that we take for granted, like you're like you're saying, and uh, and we don't we don't give enough credit to the superintendent and its staff. I mean, it's it's. Uh, they're the ones that get up at 4.30 to be there and to have the golf course crisp for, for all of us to get there on our tea time and just enjoy the course. 
but they've you know they've been busting it since early early stage. On top of that, I mean, golf. You also have to give it give give a a, a round of applause to the, to golf because uh, it is it is a sport that that creates more uh, more work for uh, you know for maintenance crews for operation etc. So in the sports world, it is the one that generates more jobs yeah. uh, for for everybody. I guess I like the idea of crisp golf. As you said, I was like crisp course in the morning. It does yeah. sound kind of nice. Not too hot. Um, one of the things that uh, I would like. So you grew up in Tijuana. Yes, born and raised in TJ. Yeah. That seems like maybe I'm reading into it, but of all the places in Mexico to grow up, that seems like it might be one of the strangest. <laughs> well, uh, it probably is because every time that I say that I'm from Tijuana, abroad, anywhere in the world, you know, it's funny, but people know where Tijuana is. People know what Tijuana is. They've they've heard one thing or another, whatever. But people know where Tijuana is. But the the the, the fabulous thing of going in Tijuana is that is that you it, it 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 is a place where you where you where you grow with a lot of challenges. You grow with the with the with the drug side. You grow with the with the immigration side is a city of immigrants. We we just had the immigrants right now from from Central America, Honduras. Uh, two years ago, the uh, uh, este, uh, thousands of people came in from Haiti trying to cross the border. They stay in Tijuana. So we we've grown up with this. So we we've we have that mentality of being uh, more open to things, being more reflective, being more kind of like on our toes for different things. And I think that. Growing up in Tijuana has given me a lot of tools to get out in the world, to get out in this jungle, to be able to become some, or try to become somebody in an industry, in an Anglo-Saxon industry. You know, so so that that's given. I think that's given me a sort of a tool to be able to say, "Hey, uh, I'm here. Let's do this." You know, because growing up in Tijuana is not easy. Yeah, you your your training immediately was you were directly facing this border. Yeah. Essentially, between the golf world and your world, probably. Probably yes, yes, it is. It is a, a, a whatever you want to call it—a glass ceiling per se, or a, or a wall, or whatever. And uh, but uh, but it's great, you know. I love I love competing. I love I love putting my gloves on. I love you know everything in a in a in an honorable way. I love it. I, I that's what get that's what gets me up in the morning. Say hey, you know I I it took me twenty years, but I've designed in Cabo now. So, yeah, it's really exciting to hear you say that because I share your sense of, uh, you know, accomplishment, you know, even just because we spent a day together and, you know, working with you for the day, I can see that you'd be a great person to work for and to work with. And that's, uh, that's, uh, I, I admire that, right? Because a lot of, and, and, and the truth is, uh, and I think this is probably a testament to your decision to do what you do. A lot of architects are like this. A lot of architects recognize their desire to create. Uh, in a world that, you know, is golf, you could say it's flawed, whatever you want to say, but, you know, ultimately they're extremely creative people and they, and they sort of, you, you were sort of like, um, this like Roman figure with his arms outstretched one side to the, to the super and the, you know, the, 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 the bulldozers and all the construction people. And the other side is to the billionaires. And you're literally like, okay, are you got, you know, it's probably very complicated. It is a, it is a thing of beauty. I love that. I love being, uh, let's say that I, uh, you know, I, I design. I think I create with, with the heart in my hand, but with my feet to the ground. So I really, really cherish that. I love being with the construction crew. I love having them. I love them being uh, 
you know, involved. I uh, I tell everybody, you know, when when I'm on a, when I'm on on site, and I'm and I'm with my shaper, with my super, ground superintendent, construction superintendent, my finisher, all these guys with with great experience from doing other golf courses in their career, and and they're usually when they don't know me, somebody says, uh, architect, you 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 have to tell us what what you need. Or say, it, it, you tell us what you need and we'll do it. We'll do it as, as you say. And I'm like, no, I'll have the final say, but I want to huddle and listen to what you have to say because I can decide on 20 years of experience. But if we all decide, we're deciding on 100 years of experience. So when we have little situations like that, that's what I, when I huddle with my crew and everybody and everybody has to say, then I'll take the final decision. Yes, I'll take the responsibility. But... It is with more than 100 years of accumulative experience. Why would, I, why would I leave that to the side? My ego, I don't have problems with my ego. I leave it, for, to be able to be a, a good creative artist, you have to leave your ego at the door. You're beginning to remind me of Major Dick Winters from Band of Brothers. His leadership tactics have been broken down in a lot of different ways I've read about him. And you know, one of the big ones is gathering information without an ego, making the best decision, not based on who suggests that. Yeah. Um, Richard Avedon, the famous photographer, said a lot of times the best idea comes from the caterer. Wow. And I love that one wow, too. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, so um, first of all, the, the heart in your hands and the feet on the ground could be a good new logo for you. <laughs> well, I, hope I just had that image of Augustine <laughs> in the golf course. Well, now that thousands of people have heard it, maybe somebody else would do use maybe it. Maybe they'll send that. it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you talked about Anglo-Saxon game and your upbringing. Real quick before you jump deeper into that, uh, Tijuana Country Club. Yeah. Who designed it? <laughs> That's a good one, and you're going to put me in a spot. Uh, Tijuana Country Club. Tijuana in the 1920s, early 30s, was the Vegas of of the states of, of whoever. People came in from all over the world, uh, from, from the United States to have a great time because there was, you had the, uh, uh, la sequia, como se llama? The, um, sequia? The, the, you couldn't sell alcohol, what do you call oh, it? Oh, prohibition. The prohibition era. And, um, and in Mexico, we had the casinos, we had the golf course. There is a rumor trying to answer your, 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 your question. I can only say it because I have not seen any records and I've, been, I've tried to look for it, uh, that Alistair McKenzie was involved. He was living up north, I mean, three hours, well, maybe five hours away at that time, but, but he was living up in the, in the Monterey Peninsula doing Pasatiempo. A town at, with a Spanish name. At the a time, course with yes. A Spanish name. Yes. To pass the, the time. Yeah, Pasatiempo, exacto, to pass the time. Doing Pasatiempo, Cypress Point and Pasatiempo. And it was only, you know, a, a, a whatever drive south, and there is rumors that because everything was built top-notch in Tijuana at that point, the casino, the racetrack, este, I don't know if it was Seabiscuit or some of the horses, one of the horses like that that competed. No, it, wasn't, it couldn't have been Seabiscuit. One, one of the movies that was made of a horse that competed in Tijuana racetrack. It was very famous. That's when the Caesar salad came out. I don't know if you know, whoa, but whoa. the Caesar salad was invented in Tijuana. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, the Caesar salad comes from Hotel Caesar. What? In Tijuana and Revolución, you can still go and buy a, a proper Caesar salad in Tijuana right the now. The original Caesar. Yeah, the original Caesar salad. Uh, it was invented in Tijuana. Tell me the origin of the Caesar salad, really quick. The because of the chefs that were, you know, the casinos, the hotels, the all the luxury that we had in, in TJ at that point, 
uh, there was a, a, an Italian chef in, in one of the hotels, in Hotel Caesar. So there, the, the, the story goes, give or take, that there was a celebrity there one day and said, hey, give me something that's not on the menu. Just give me anything that's not on the menu. Give me, surprise me. So this uh, chef, uh, if I recall, it's Santini. This chef uh, goes back and says, well, in the time of the wars in, in uh, Italy, when we had to hide in the mountains, my parents did this heavy, that's why it's so heavy in uh, uh, the, the, the dressing is so heavy because it gives you more energy. Uh -huh. So he started mixing the eggs with the blood, all the anchovies and uh, all the, the recipe. And he, he brought it to the, to the uh, celebrity and they loved it. And from then it became Ensalada Sesame's. Wow. And it was never patented. <laughs> never? Never. How it can you patent a recipe, can uh, you? I, think, I, I believe in these days you can, but, yeah. uh, but it was never patented. It would never... So anyway, it, it became that Caesar salad. Margarita was also invented in... The Margarita, well, it's Mexican, margarita but pizza? it was invented in... No, the, uh, oh, the drink. The drink. Right. In Tijuana. <laughs> I'm so innocent. Este, well, uh, little, little <laughs> stuff like that. But in, uh, in, uh, in, in, so, so Tijuana, so going back to the Tijuana Country Club, it was a very good track. Supposedly, Alistair McKenzie was part of the design. I don't know. I haven't read about it. The Alistair McKenzie Association does not. Is not does not include it in their rota. Really? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the. There's not enough evidence. Yeah, it had been on my list for a while to travel to. Obviously, as a fan of Mackenzie and golf and the unusual and apparently the uh, unverifiable, but um, Golfer's Journal, which is a great magazine out of San Diego. If you haven't heard of it, check it out. Uh, Brendan Thomas. It's a really really beautiful magazine, and they did a story on Tijuana Country Club. Totally uh, candid. I haven't read that article, but I know it exists, and I know that they basically point out the, the the questions as to whether or not he really did work on it, and they sort of point towards this idea that, well, I mean, it's good PR. That's fantastic PR. I love it, and I think I do think that he was involved at some stage as a consultant, at least. I do think uh, because that's what Alistair McKenzie did. He traveled. He stayed. Australia, he didn't do anything. Exactly. He made some drawings he, and bailed. Exactly. And he just left somebody there to finish it. Yeah. And he, it's, that's why I think that following that way of working by Alistair, I would think that he, would, he was probably there for a week or a couple of weeks. And then he just went up there and finished Pasatiempo, who was his passion at that time. He's even, that's where he lived. That's where he died. So uh, I think that there's a very good possibility of him coming down and consulting on the golf course or design or leaving some sketches. I think there is. So you maybe more than most people, you more than anyone maybe, uh, you're meaning your profession, your career. Um, when you go to a golf course, you are to a large extent learning and studying. Where do you go? What, where, what, what experience have you had that have taught you the most? What do you, where do you find that educational, inspirational aspect? Everywhere I go. You know, we, we can't create anything that we haven't seen. You know, it's a, you need to see it. You need to, really? you need to, yeah, you need to, you need to fill information up on your, on your uh, memory card, and then with your creativity, you can put it in your liquefier and come out with the different things. But uh, uh, what you can create is what things that you have observed. So the best, the best architects, the best, we, you know, we we like to be out there, and even if it's in vertical construction or vertical architecture, you go out there and you see the best the best buildings out there. You see and you study the, the, the best 
the best uh, designs. That's what I do in golf. I, I go out there to any golf course, even, even if it's bad or if it's good, it doesn't matter. I see different things and, and I try to improve them in my mind or change them or play with them and just fool around with them. And how would I make it different? How would I make it special? How would I make it? And that's what I do and I take it and that's my archive and, uh, and when I have a chance, I pull it, you know, I just pull it from my archive and, and try to play with it and experiment. But yes, we, uh, observation is key to good creativity. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to go do some ads. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about sort of the overall state of golf in Mexico and a little bit about, um, uh, oh, I forgot, but I'll, I'll remember when we get back. Fantastic. All right, Precision Pro, everybody. A lot of you slip into the DMs over there, and you ask me what the best rangefinder is. The answer is it's the Precision Pro. Now, I used to say it was the NX7, but not anymore. Precision Pro Golf is the makers of award-winning golf rangefinders. Literally award-winning, folks. Do not get the words twisted, okay? Uh, they save golfer strokes on the course and save dollars in the wallets, because the truth is the dollars should stay in the wallets. Well, I guess they're supposed to leave the wallet, but the point is you want them to leave as slowly as possible. So the point is Precision Pro is excited to announce the all-new NX9. We didn't even mess with the NX8. We went straight to the 9, NX9 HD rangefinder, skipped the 8, straight over to the 9. I went from par to eagle like that, okay? Anyway, it's their most advanced rangefinder ever with a wider and brighter display. I love things that are wider and brighter. It's an iPhone screen, whatever you want to call it, projector. I don't know. Fairways. Just give me something that's wider and brighter. It uh, delivers incredibly fast measurements. I can say from personal experience, that is true. There's also a built-in magnet. Oh, I love magnets, too. Uh, that allows golfers to securely attach the NX9 to the cart or even an iron so that the rangefinder is always within reach for every single swing. You can pick up the all-new NX9 HD rangefinder for $20 off. All you got to do is use the promo code ERIC. That's E-R-I-K on the website, precisionprogolf.com. The NX9 HD comes with a lifetime battery replacement. Whoa! I need lifetime battery replacement. How is annoying is it when you show up and your rangefinder is dead? Well, this one never dies, okay? It's like Liam Neeson in this bitch. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. But anyway... <laughs> The NX9 comes with a HD lifetime battery replacement services and a... Wow, I messed that up. I'm going to start over. <laughs> the NX9 HD comes with a lifetime battery services replacement, battery replacement services and a two-year warranty. Two years. You're not even going to live that long. This rangefinder is going to outlive you on all scales. Anyway, it's the NX9, and it's all part of the industry-leading customer service that Precision Pro Golf delivers to every customer. I have never heard a bad word about Precision Pro since I've been recommending it personally. So you heard it here first, folks. Get your $20 off the NX9 HD or any Precision Pro uh, rangefinder that's great. Coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, at precisionprogolf.com. Last words, y'all. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right. One more read, folks. Adidas. Over 5 million pieces of plastic are floating in our oceans, which over time get broken down, making it easy for sea life to ingest, ultimately affecting our own food chain. So it is your problem. 
It's not just a world problem. It's you. It affects you. Adidas is working with Parlay to prevent plastic entering our oceans and transform it into high-performance sportswear. Mm-hmm. Shoes is coming soon. Just hold on. Hold your hats, folks. I'm not even done with the ad. Stop trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Adidas is spinning the problem into what? A solution. The thread into a thread. I don't know what that means. It's written here. It says the thread into a thread. I don't know who wrote this. Adidas Golf is bringing eco-innovation to the golf course in a, the form of a special edition shoe. All right, this is legit, actually. This is the first time the Parlay shoe has been uh, a golf shoe. I've had it in um, form of a running shoe. I mean, look, it's a, it's a sick shoe that serves a purpose, okay? That's where you get it. Um, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe. Oh, look, they already wrote it for me. The first ever golf shoe made from pla- uh, recycled. Oh, no, it's not called recycled. It's called upcycled. I don't know what that is. I feel like I should probably Google that. Upcycled plastic waste that was intercepted like Jason Bourne from the beaches and coastal communities before reaching the ocean. Dang, I didn't realize this is Jason Bourne's golf shoe intercepted i mean i'm a golf guy but i also love football who doesn't love a classic interception especially when it's jason Bourne saving planet earth entire upper of the shoe is made with threads spun it's also a dj amazing from the upcycled plastic waste my phone's ringing it's andrew marler hang on all right, well, that was a 20-minute phone call, but you have no idea. It just went by like that. Um, anyway, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe made from upcycled plastic. I already read this because it's got the intercepted line. Intercepted from beaches and coastal communities in a world before reaching the ocean. The entire upper of the shoe is made from thread spun from upcycled plastic waste. Built is built as the Tour 360 XT, you still get great traction and stability. I feel like, what's that line from Taken? I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> they will take you. Available starting June 10th at adidas.com. And for those headed to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, a select number of pairs will be sold on site. Get into it, folks. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. And we're back. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we know you have a choice in podcasts you listen to. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, well, you kind of do. But anyway, moving on. Uh, we're not a plane. Um, so, yeah, dude, golf in Mexico. Like, ups and downs, pros and cons. Well, it is an emerging market. That's uh, for starters. Uh, you know, in the in the States, we've we've heard and we know that there's more golf courses that have been shutting down than, than, than they're new built. Uh, in Mexico and uh, parts of Latin America, it's growing. So it's a, it's a, it's a good balance, I think. What um, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges? Why is that happening? What's the challenge that's happening? 
Well, first of all, in a place like Mexico and the Caribbean and, and parts, uh, other parts of Latin America, uh, we cater for tourism. So that's number one. So the, the projects that are, that are out there are more for tourism. They're more resort-related for the, for, the, for the vacation or second homes or retirement or uh, uh, medical treatment stuff, retirement stuff, so they can, people from the States or Canada, they can stretch their money down in Mexico or in Latin America. That's the first market that we cater to, tourism. And, um, and from that, I think that also the, uh, the housing developments in, uh, in, in inland Mexico, per se, they're still, they're, they're growing. I mean, not, not, a, not in a fast pace, but at least you know that there's two or three out there uh, uh, per year. And as far as, you know, the breakdown of public to private, do you know that approximately? Not the breakdown, but there's no, there's no, uh, I mean, with the odd exception out there, uh, like, like, there's no real public golf course. Some people call it public, but they're not, they're paying play golf courses. But in order to play them, you know, you need to pay 250 bucks or 150. When you add that up, with with what with what regular workers where regular regular jobs pay in Mexico, it, uh, there's no access. There's really no access. I mean, you can probably play when it's your birthday, but after that, you can't go on a on a regular basis. So there are a few, let's say, like driving ranges that are opening. Okay, you go practice. You go practice for six months, but then you want to try yourself on the golf course. It's not the access is not there. Um, Especially in Mexico City, where where there's more in the all urban area, there's more than twenty golf courses, beautiful golf courses, classic golf courses with a lot of history in them, uh, but but they're private private members only. So it's a little bit of a you know you can practice whenever you go to Puerto Vallarta for a holiday or another destination, Acapulco, uh, wherever Huatulco, and uh, and practice your golf there. But it's it's an ongoing and ongrowing thing that's happening. I think people from Mexico are being a bit more aware in golf. Uh, number one, uh, the number one cause it was Lorena Ochoa, uh, you know, our, our dear Lorena Ochoa, who was uh, last year was indicted in, in, uh, indicted in, uh, in the in the Indu- world in, inducted. inducted. Excuse me. Yeah. Indicted is not very different. Not a indicted. indicted is Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> inducted, inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame. First Latin American ever to be in the world in the World Golf Hall of Fame, men or women, uh, World Golf Hall of Fame, and uh, and that was the first bit of awareness. That's why we have a very good generation here of, of of women playing golf right now. We also have a very good or decent generation of men playing out there now. And uh, Abraham Ansir is uh, is 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 very is one of our hopefuls to be at the President's Cup next year. So that's pretty cool. And uh, well, in 2019, so um, so that's one bit, and there is a little bit more awareness. But the the and the major the major creator of awareness is the World Golf Championship, Mexico Championship that 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 Mexico hosts, Mexico City hosts uh, every February. So um, you know, it's interesting because I uh, when I got into golf, I knew nothing about it, and I was at a driving range and. Um, I remember this feeling of where can I play golf? And it was not a hopeful feeling. I assumed that there was no public golf courses that I could just go play or even if I could afford. Right. So, um, 
it's sort of sad to me. It's it's sad to me to think that I'm lucky to have been in Los Angeles to be able to play dozens of great public courses all around for you know twenty bucks, thirty bucks, forty nine dollars. But had I been in Mexico, I don't know. I, no I, I don't think so because we don't have that system. The system in the states is beautiful because you have municipal golf courses. So if you're a resident in that municipality and you pay your taxes, then you get the, let's say Torrey Pines in San Diego. It's going to be forty bucks, sixty bucks to play. But if you're not a resident, it's two hundred. So it, it's it, it's a good system. I think it works perfectly. You know, you you're as a resident here. That system does not exist. It is golf is very to a certain extent politicized as a politics. Because it is known as a more of a stature than a, than a sport, it is accepted that way. So what you have is that you know our politicians sometimes are are afraid to go if if to go out there and play golf or say that they're playing or whatever because it's not a popular thing to do. It's not on the contrary. It's like oh, it's very it's a very posh thing to do. So it is uh, sometimes when you when you look for. For, for support for different things, it's uh, the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, you know, if I want to build a golf course that's uh, so many acres and so much money, I prefer to do, I think it's better if we do 50 uh, soccer pitches. And, and I'm like, well, do them. But they don't, but, but they don't even do that. So, so, yeah. so it's just a way of, of, of thinking and saying, no, I mean, uh, I prefer to give 50, 50 soccer pitches to the people. It's interesting to hear you discuss um, the idea of, um, oh, I just lost the thought, um, of, um, what were you just saying? The, 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 oh, yeah, the idea of not wanting to be seen playing golf. I heard someone say that in Denmark, uh, their boss asked them if they wanted to go play golf with them, and they, they, they were conflicted because they did love golf, but they didn't want to... Uh, alienate themselves from their class. It makes a lot of sense. In Europe, it's uh, it, it, it you 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 live the same to a certain extent in different areas. You live the same experience as in as in Mexico or in Latin America. It is a posh thing to do, except with the exception of Germany, uh, the UK, maybe in the Nordics where where they where, where they where it's normal to play golf. In Central Europe, Eastern Europe, and the Latin Europe, France, Italy, Spain. It is, it is the same as Mexico. Is it, it is an elite sport. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm having this image now of golf kind of being, um, you know, in the military when they do that little thing where they, they in, in basic training, they sort of have to use the rope to climb over that one 10-foot wall. <laughs> yes. It's almost like we as a com- collective society of, of golfers, both high and low, medium society, golfers, but non-golfers, we've all sort of like pushed golf up 10 feet and we all have this problem to like get up to it. And, and it's kind of like, I, maybe I'm really that's one of my responsibilities to be like, let's bring it down a little bit. I love the analogy. So uh, it is golf was meant for everybody. Golf started for everybody. It's it's the human ego that created this this seclusion with time. Obviously, you know, first things we have to put this into perspective. We took golf from from its element. Golf was invented in in the in, in Scotland in the in the links courses where where the where it rains 300 days or drizzles 300 days a year you have the sand base which is the perfect uh, a perfect environment for the grass you have for natural fertilizers with all the uh, excrement or whatever from the birds and, and, and etc 
you have the sheep mowing the, 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 the grass, and you have the sheep, when, they, when, they're, when they're trying to hide from the gusty winds, they're creating the bunkers. So that was all natural. And anybody that had a stick could go out there and whack some balls. So what happens with the, with the Industrial Revolution when we started to move clay soil to, to, to create the first golf course? And that, that's when proper golf architecture started because now we had to create plans. So that's when a proper golf course architecture started. Before that, it was just a layout. It was just 18 sticks on a Sunday. Yeah? Now we start to create plans. Harry Colt is a great example, one of the first architects to, to, to start creating plans because the golf courses were now done anywhere because, because of the Industrial Revolution, we can move dirt, we can move soil, but that means that, okay, we can create the first golf course in London. Now I don't have to travel 12 freaking hours up to Scotland, and now I can play golf here. So the ego, and why? Because as human beings, we can. We can do these things. So, we don't so now we're taking it out of its element. So guess what? Now we have to pay for the grass. Now we have to pay for the mowing. Now we have to pay for the water. Now we have to do all these things. And no, don't even get me started on taking it to the desert and taking it to the mountains and taking it to everywhere else. Shout out Los Angeles. So we have, so we have created that atmosphere for golf. I've never heard anyone describe that sort of uh, being the first stone to fall in the problematic and wonderful world of golf that we live in right now. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And uh, I mean, uh, uh, in Mexico and, and is, as in a lot of places in the world, you know, the, the Brits that came over here, they were either doing in the mining business or in the petrol business. That's where we had the first golf courses, but they kept their golf courses to, their, to themselves and to their community. So that's also something that we grew up with. Uh, sent, uh, uh, Decades ago, we knew that that place was secluded. So we just grew with that. So when, when some uh, 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 big, you know, uh, local uh, players did, did their golf course, it was like, ah, you have yours? Well, now I have mine. So it's all about the ego. It's all about the, that's yours, this is mine. This is, that's mine. And, and it starts, and we started secluding it. And all of a sudden, we forgot that this game was born to be for everybody. And we just lost track. And the fortunate, the fortune enough of us to be able to have access or time or money, you need two out of three to play golf in Mexico. Time, access, or money to play golf. Then, fantastic. And what does that make? It makes us forget about the other people that cannot play. I have a question that I'm afraid to ask that I'm afraid I don't want to hear the answer, but is it fixable here? It is fixable, and that is part of our mission uh, on the First Team Mexico. But it is fixable. You just need a, a, a you just need people that want to make it, uh, that want to create this atmosphere. You know, golf, a golf course in Mexico City, or in, Mex in Mexico, I'm just going to focus on Mexico right now, but it's, it's almost the same in, in other parts of the world that, where it's the same situation. You know, a golf course has a lot of uh, attributes. The golf course is, to a certain extent, our, our only lung in the city of concrete. So in, in, a, in a place of 22, 25 million people, the golf courses, if, try and zoom out into Google Earth, go into Chapultepec, go into Mexi Club de Golf Mexico, go into uh, Churubusco, the country club of, of Mexico. 
Zoom in and then start zooming out little by little. And all you see on the, on the edges are concrete and a lot of houses and it's the only, the only uh, guaranteed lung of that area. So the microsystem that the golf course creates, it is, you need to cherish it now, right now in a place of 25 million people. And that's the only one. Why? Because our, our, our people, our politicians, or whoever you want to, however you want to put it, would, will never have or have never had, and if they have, they never built it, a Central Park. Uh, you know, Central Park is, is, you can fit four golf courses in there. So we, we don't have Pro that. Proposal. We don't, <laughs> we don't have that, those things in Mexico, not, not, in, a, not in a general way. So uh, uh, that, those are things that we, have, that, that we have to cherish. All these golf courses that are out there. Yes, they're posh. Yes, I cannot get in. Yes, uh, 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 you know, I, I, I cannot become a member because it's too expensive. But if you live near that surrounding, you're getting benefits of a fresher air, of a better microclimate, of a better atmosphere around the area. But look, dude, you're, you're an outside-the-box thinker. You're also a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you're equal parts realist and dreamer. I, I really, like, I struggle to see it working here. Well, it is, uh, yeah, you just, you just have to do it. The only thing you can handle is in, in my way of thinking, the only thing I can control is from me downwards, yes? From me upwards, I cannot control anything, politics, economy, etc., etc. So the only thing that I can do is try to grow up in this ladder, like you said, the 10, the 10 foot wall, try to get up to the top so that I can eventually control from my end downwards. So if I eventually become, stay, become whoever, or at the, I'm at this position or that position or that, and I'm in a better position to help, I can cascade it downwards. I, it's very difficult. I've, I've, I've stopped fighting upwards. It's better to concentrate on what you're doing, start climbing, and then I'm here. Now I can control everything that's down there and I can do different things to cater for the, for the better of mankind. Well, and I mean, you know, not only is that a really, really, really wonderfully efficient way to look at productivity and what you can actually do to be the change you want to see, whatever. Also, hashtag vote for Augustine. Whenever you run for office, let me know. Like, I will literally be there with bells on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we can talk about the first tee, right? You know, we've got this little program. Right, it's the first one. It's the it's the ice pick is is ten percent in or maybe even less. Uh, but you you did that along with um, Alfredo and uh, a couple other wonderful people. That was one of the bumpiest two hour rides I've ever taken in my life away from Mexico City. But we got to see that. And so for the people listening right now, can you explain a little bit about how that happened and what it means? Oh, uh, it means everything. It means everything. Giving back means everything. I've been. Uh, uh, that's number one. Number number two is that um, we had the 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 absolute privileged opportunity when uh, Grupo Salinas and that's uh, uh, grabbed on to the opportunity of bringing Top Golf into Mexico, which was the WGC, one of the World Golf Championships. Sorry, wait, Top Golf, or you mean no, 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 mean, no, uh, the top as PGA in, Tour as level, in, as in PGA Tour right, level. Okay. Top Golf is a whole other fucking. Yeah, you're right. I yeah, that's another. Thing. I can't even get me started. <laughs> I love it by the way, but go ahead. Okay, well, 
when that was announced, when Grupo Salinas, they, they care a lot. They're very passionate, and, I, and I'm sure, and I hope you guys meet sometime very soon uh, with Benjamin Salinas. Benjamin Salinas is uh, the chairman of the board for the First Team Mexico, and, um, and he invited me over to direct uh, the First Team Mexico. Uh, so I was very honored. Obviously, immediately I said yes. And, uh, and we're working together on this fabulous project that, that, uh, that has a lot of objectives. It is, it is the first tee like we know it. You know, it's a very, very popular and very um, uh, successful program in the States. Uh, that's, uh, it's been around for 20 years. With the WGC Mexico Championship, now that it's on its third year in February, now we have not only the passion to do it, the, but we have the means to do it. So with the WGC, there is a package that goes into charity that Benjamin decided to create the First Team Mexico in Mexico. So when he called me up, I st we started to, uh, to, to think of different ways because we, cannot, we don't have the infrastructure of the states. There's no way, not even close, not even to a 10% like, like you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. Forget about municipal uh, golf courses. Forget about places like the YMCA, et cetera. So it's not, it's not easy. Having said that, we started tropicalizing it. So thinking of how we can grab this program, successful program, and cater it to Mexican culture uh, and infrastructure. So there's, there's different angles to it. But one of the things that, uh, the first T has nine basic pillars. You know, that just to mention uh, three, it's like honesty, este, uh, like you have, you have uh, uh, integrity, honesty, uh, punctuality. You have different things that you show the kids because it's, it's about showing them that, not just growing as a golfer. It's about the, the pillars and, the, and creating virtues. One of the things that we that we immediately we added one more. So we have ten pillars, which is I think is a very important thing to have in the world is empathy. And and by creating empathy, you really surround a lot of things. You you if you only had one pillar, I, I would choose empathy. And that is something that you it's it involves respect. It involves a, a lot of things. Uh, so we we created that one. And now we show our kids, now we have three, three chapters, one in Tijuana, Rosarito, another one in Puebla, the, 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 the bumpy ride, and, uh, and in La Paz. So uh, it, the objective of the first tee is to show, to grow better citizens of the world, in uh, number one citizens and citizens of the world in Mexico, and create a practice facility in every single state. So let's say that we would like to create 32 practice facilities in the next 20 or 30 years. It is a long-term uh, project, but we're we're I think we're in the we're in the right direction. And uh, and it's not been easy, but it's uh, but but it but with this with this uh, baggage that we have, with this support that we have from the PGA Tour, from Benjamin Salinas, from Grupo Salinas. It is. It it makes my work a lot more easier, or easier. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, um, that's uh, that's inspiring. I'm that's sure just, it's not. What what is your day to day like with this project right now? What are you act? What are you doing right now with this? 
we, uh, we, we, well, I make sure that all directors, you know, like, uh, like Alfredo Sanchez, that's uh, directing the chapter over there in Maravillas. We have another director over here in, in Tijuana, Rosarito, and another one in Baja California Sur. And, uh, and try to get, what I do with my 20-year with my experience in the industry, what I do is, is, is try to match people, try to match, you know, the golf course. So, like, so if I'm at, at La, La Paz and I've, I did this golf course with Gary Player's signature, uh, with Gary Player, uh, called Costa Baja, now it's called El Cortez. And since I know the owners because they were my clients, so I just knock on the door and say, hey, we have this program, would you mind pitching in your, uh, your golf course and I can get the children and we can get a director and, and, uh, and create this synergy between the three of us. And that's the whole, the whole secret, to be honest. Uh, just, it's kind of like asking for favors, but also creating, you know, when, they, when we connect and when we do it for the correct reasons, it's all, it's all beautiful. So now we have these major resorts like El Cortez uh, catering for these kids and we have that program. In Tijuana and Rosarito, we work with the Boys and Girls Club of Rosarito and Tijuana, uh, it's called uh, El Real del Mar Resort. They also pitch in with their golf course. And in, uh, in Maravillas, as you know, the, the golf course from, from, from uh, Sanchez Gaitan. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I'm working on two other chapters. So by, by, uh, by 2019, we should be, we should be uh, handling five chapters, which would be, I think, something... Uh, well, now it is unprecedented, but... Uh, I think that would really put put a mark on on Mexico and, and the grow and the growing of the game. So let's turn it a little bit. I mean, you know, when I reflect on my experience as a golfer growing in golf in America, um, it's easy to take those things for granted. It's easy to go to a municipal course and wish that it was nicer. It's easy to wish that you remember at a private course. It's easy to do all these things. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about traveling is not so much that you are enjoying the experience of being somewhere else. It's that when you go home, it looks different. Right. And, and that's really the, that's it. That's the only thing for me. I mean, what is home? I don't even know, but you know, like I'm, I'm told it's Los Angeles, but you know, it's true. Like when I go home, I see it a little bit differently. And so for those of us listening, right. That are thinking about what you're saying and, 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 um, you know, kind of inspired, hopefully what, what can we do? I mean, you know, you, you, you've, you've, uh, creatively located your, uh, contributions and it, they make a lot of sense. I mean, you know, connecting people, you're, you've been, you know, uh, you've, you've been just sort of, um, the projects you've worked on are all uh, super exciting. The people you've worked on them with, I'm sure everybody's down to help. What can, what can someone do if they, if they you know, is, is there a blueprint or is it really just kind of you need to basically put your boots on and go figure it out? Half of it is uh, putting your boot, boots on and, and, and figuring it out. That is, that is you, you put your overall on and you, and you just go out there and, and grind it. That's, that's half of the work and well, probably more. The other one is just creating awareness. Just being here on your podcast, being here with you, that it's just creating awareness and knowing that Mexico is, the, is going to grow in golf. And, and, and if the first tee we find a, a, a talent with hunger, be careful out there, because he will be in uh, he will be in a major in a, in a few years. Uh, that's you know kind of like boxing. You know we're big in boxing because of that. There's talent and hunger, so that's it, it's not on our of our on our our objective. Like I said, our objective is to create better better human beings, better citizens through the game of golf as a tool for life. Uh, you know, there's nothing there, the game of life, and the, and you, you've heard this and read this. Uh, I, I like to put it into a phrase like the, the only in the game of life and the game of golf 
The only thing we control is, is, is the situation that is our attitude to the situation we are in. So you can practice all your life. You can hit Ala Vijay Singh a thousand balls daily, but you're not necessarily going to be in the center of the fairway when you hit that first shot. You can be in the rough, you can be in the outer rough, you can be in the lake, you can be in the wherever hazard, whatever, wherever place, shorter, longer. So what can you control? You can only control your attitude towards your next shot. In real life, you can, you can study, you can have a college degree, you can have a master's degree, you can have a doctorate, all sorts of education. And life will not necessarily put you where you thought you would be. So what are you going to do with it? You can only control your attitude to the situation that you're at. And that's part of the lessons of golf. You talked a little bit about, I didn't, I didn't get to see this, but you talked a little bit about your, uh, the first moments that you, I guess, acquire a project or begin to uh, invest your time and money into a project. There's a, there's a ritual that occurs. Can you, can you share that? Oh, it's going to take me back. Yes, of course. It is uh, in, uh, it's a Mayan ritual. Now that we've, we've touched on the subject of the Yucatan. Mayan, or is your family actually has some Mayan history? No, no, no. No, we, my, 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 yes, my blood would be half Aztec, half Spanish. Hmm. Yes. So um, uh, here we have a mixology, you know, a, a mix, a mixed, uh, we, we mix the blood very well. And um, it's funny, I wonder if that's a, if that's a translational thing, like my blood is like, I don't. I, I would not ever say my blood is Swedish, oh, yeah. but it's. And I don't know if that's is that a, is that a way of saying it. What, what is the Spanish word? What is the Spanish phrase for saying I'm half Aztec and Spanish? Uh, I'll come back to that one. There is a there is a keyword. I don't know. If I hope nobody's listening and that knows Spanish right now because they would probably say, "Hey, it's this." It's okay. Uh, it's okay. You've been you know doing an interview is very taxing. Uh, no. So, este. <laughs> I stumped him finally. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I think that's Thanks cool for, to say Thanks for exposing me like this. Yeah. No, it's fine. You, let you me should. let me get back to my ritual, and then uh, and then I'll, I'll I'll try and get that word again. Okay. It is uh, no, I uh, but I what I did do when I started waking up per se as a, as as a more more my spiritual side of things and uh, connecting with nature, trying to to be more than just the regular architect. I wanted to really connect with uh, with everything that surrounds us. So I took, um, I, I went like for a month long, I uh, went into the Mayan jungle, into the, uh, our, our Amazon, La Candona it's called, the La Candonian, La Candonian uh, jungle. And I stayed with a, with a, uh, with Los Lacandones, who are one of the last uh, Mayans in uh, uh, communities, you know they're they're out there in the community. They're out there in the jungle. They, and one thing that I learned, I. Uh, like, sorry, when you say out there, do you mean like face paint? No, no, I, I don't know, like, no. Like, they're, they're out there. That they they're in the. There are still Mayan communities all over. Like the, off the grid. All over, yes, all over. But like, how do they dress? With white robes. White robes. Yes. Or white uh, uh, cloth, Whoa. not necessarily robes. And just, did you get into this outfit too? No, I did not get into this outfit. Uh, well, you have to be a Mayan. You have to be, you know. It's, it would be disrespectful. Uh, there would be a lot of respect, yeah. You have to have a lot of respect. So one of the things, one of the first experiences 
was to walk barefoot in the, in, the tro- in the tropical jungle. That is something, when you see ants that are the size of, a, of an, an, an inch, it, it's, it's not easy to do because you have your mental thing, your mental thought, yes? It's kind of like walking on coals. I assume I've never walked on coals, but I understand the principle. Not yet. I feel like I could see you walking on coals <laughs> when you get your really big job. And you're like, all right, I'm doing it. So when, when they invited me to do that, I'm like, bloody hell. I mean, this, is, this is sounds, I mean, that, you, first of all, the mental part of you blocks it. It's like, there's no way. I'm not going to do it. You block it because it's, it's a, natural, a natural way of protecting yourself, of how we grew up in a protected society. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it if you're there. So getting to my point, we start doing this, this, this little, just little ritual, which is, and they told me how ancient, uh, or the Mayas, when they went out either to, to do uh, whatever and walk into the, the, the jungle, they asked the jungle for permission to become part of it. And that way they wouldn't get, let's say, eaten by a, by a jaguar or, 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 or a poisonous snake or whatever. So they become part of it and they're in that frequency and they could go through it. I love that. It inspired me completely. So uh, we walked barefoot for like a couple of hours. The, the touching of that, of the leaves down on the, on the, on the ground, everything just felt like, like it was walking on cashmere... Uh, it was just an unbelievable experience. Nothing hurt me. Nothing, nothing bit me. And we just arrived to this fabulous cascade in the middle of the jungle. And, and from then on, I've, I've adapted that to when I arrive to a, to a virgin land, to a place where I know that I'm going to become uh, or, or play God, per se, in that piece of land, because that's what we do. At the end of the day, uh, we were going to say where the road comes in, what trees, what trees uh, you save, what trees you remove, what trees, whatever, uh, the, the parts, the, the, the attributes of the land. So it, it takes a lot of responsibility. Or that's how I like to see it anyway. So when I arrive to a site like this, I usually choose a tree and just touch it, talk to it, and ask for its permission to intervene in this piece of land. So that's what I do on my on my on my on my uh, on my jobs. Um, I I'm we talked with someone else about hugging trees while we were down here. Can anyone remember uh, who, was, who was that? It was on the porch. The interview on the porch. With yeah, the, with the the uh, the sort of uh, Adonia, the sh- kind of the uh, shaman character. It it makes a lot of sense. It's it's at, a Mayan country. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. The Mayan, that's yeah. where it is, the touching of the trees. Well, remember the trees. You go down. The trees, and especially the Sebas, there's a special tree that the roots connect you to the, to the infra ground or whatever you were, however you can say it, the inframundo. So all the roots connect you down to earth. So that's when you touch it, you're connected with, the, with, with, with nature. And that's part of the ritual. It's to connect with nature, to be one with nature, and to communicate with nature. And then you start seeing more than you than what you just than just you know a visual from the earth and becoming a desk architect i don't like i'm not a desk architect i'm a i'm a feel touch sense and connect connecting architect yeah it's so interesting i mean one of my favorite things about traveling is sort of experiencing and and hearing other cultures that have ancient uh, bones 
uh, talk about their sort of ways of storytelling and connecting with the earth. Like, I mean, even even as recent as St. Andrews, I mean, that was all, there's a story behind why it's called St. Andrews and he was like in exile or something, I think, or like, it's in Tom Coyne's book if you haven't read it. I, I read the first chapter and, it, and, he, and he really goes into this really cool story about why it's called St. Andrews and how he got there and you've got like the Buddha in India where he like touches the ground and yes. that's like his witness and then you've got all these wonderful things here in Mexico in my backyard, man. <laughs> and like we went to Chichen Itza and like it was just really uh, a tragedy that we were in a hurry. Yes. It was just so understand. tragic that we didn't have the time to absorb. And I mean, you know, it's really cool that on this adventure, golf has really become a wonderful conduit into that storytelling with the um, cenotes. And, you know, there's these thousands of sinkholes, as they're called in America, but here they're called cenotes and they hold a much more, um, you know, potentially spiritual relevance with sacrifice and, you know, prayer and, and so many other things that. I'm excited to learn even more about, but it's really cool that golf has been an opportunity to learn that with all these courses incorporating the cenotes. I mean, I didn't realize that the cave bunker on the first hole at Mayakoba is a cenote. Yeah. Everyone tells me it's just a little bunker, but really there's like a cave in there with roots into these underground rivers. And I mean, just what a really cool way to learn about a culture. It is. It is. I mean, we're, we're very lucky. I, I, uh, you know, I can only say that I'm, that I'm lucky to have, uh, had to have been born and raised here, you know. I, I, I don't like to use the word proud because I think the proudness just segregates you from other places, flags, etc. I like to th think myself as a citizen of the world. So uh, when you, when you, when you, uh, I like to think that I'm just lucky to be here and lucky to grasp it and lucky to cherish it and then understand it and wanting to understand it. That's a different thing, wanting to do it because you could just live your regular life thinking that what you hear, what you grew up, what uh, was uh, educated by your parents is what it is. But if you're a critical thinker and you question everything, you, everything that you know and everything you think you know, that's a different story. It be, you become aware of a lot of things. But it's, it, it, it comes with a, with, a, with a different frequency. Now, a lot of people will not understand you. Family members will not understand you. So you have to be willing to change uh, for your atmosphere to change even with some of the loved ones because you just you're just in a different frequency but it's beautiful i have no further questions your honor do you have any for me <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i uh it's uh, it's it, it's fantastic I, I think you have a fantastic way of uh, of interviewing and getting a little bit deep into conversations i i don't like uh uh, I, I, I'm not a stickler to a chit chat or small talk, so it's I love it. I really love it. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying your podcast. Thank you. I, you know, it's funny because now you probably we we the joke is that you know we we had a two hour car ride after immediately meeting each other for the first time yesterday, and the joke was that you know we couldn't talk <laughs> because we were deeply uh, you know just vibing and interested. But all of these conversations were things that I wanted to have for the first time on camera. excited to um, you know get into this with you now so no further questions I th thank you for joining us on the show and um, you know now we're gonna go out and explore Mexico City together fantastic yeah no thanks for having me thanks for the opportunity and uh, and thanks for uh, making me feel completely at home 
in uh, in Mexico City. I mean, I don't know what I did, but I really appreciate it. So, yeah, anyway, uh, everyone, uh, thanks for listening. If you want to check out Augustine's socials, they're all in the link below. They're active on Instagram, active on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, share his story a little bit and have you guys learn more about him. And hopefully, um, you know, you'll be inspired by watching the great film that we made both, you know, at Chablais and at um, Las Maravillas uh, ayer. Yeah, and I would also like to uh, add that uh, a big thank you to all the crew, everything that's behind, everybody that's behind the curtain right here. Shout yeah, out! We got Colt and, on audio. Uh, yeah. We got David on the cameras. Evans in the hallway, uh, trying to manifest some locations for this afternoon. Yes, and uh, and with that said, uh, thank you because we need more uh, ambassadors that uh, that you know have a have a, a experience in Mexico and, and, and know and take back to the States and invite everybody to come down because it's not that bad. Should we go into the H1N1? <laughs> what the fuck, man? Conspiracy theory number 7,222 for Augustine. What is the fucking problem with the perception of Mexico? Why, why am I 37? I'm an open-minded dude. I love to travel. Why am I just now falling in love with this country? You watch too much TV? I don't, but you're right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying, I, I'm not even a TV, that's the other problem is I'm not even a TV watcher, but I have it in my head. Yes. I tell my friends, we're going to go to Mexico. Oh, be safe. Yes. Be it safe. Is. No, I'm not, I'm, I mean, that was my, my, my immediate answer. It doesn't have to be TV. You can be Twitter. It can be anything. No, but what you're about to say is what we talked about in the car yesterday, which yeah. was something interesting, which is what the fuck is the problem? Why is there a tiny line between my country and your country? Same piece of land. Well, uh, a lot, most of the people don't know how attached we are to the hip in economy, in, in politics, in everything. And somehow we sell this as if we were almost enemies and we didn't need each other. We both need each other to a, to a huge extent. And uh, if, if we can trans, transmit that, I mean, we've, we've talked about this, you know, the... The, the conspiracy theories, and I'm just going to throw it out there, it is... Uh, is it know, a conspiracy theory? Or is no, conspiracy think, or, 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 not for me. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. I, I think it's a strategy, you know, in, in, in 2008 when you guys hit the... Uh, the uh, or when the world, but you, it started with... Uh, Before you hit, say this, you might come off crazy. Okay. I want you to know that, though. Because I'm not going to edit it out. No, I want you to say it because I like it, and I kind of believe you. But I'm, I also have a hard time with conspiracy theories because, like you said, the only thing I can control is my thing. Yeah. But I, I, I don't want... I, I, if you really, really believe it, you don't care what people think, I want you to say it. Oh, I don't... It doesn't matter. Hit me. What people think, it's their problem. Hit me. My so, parents are listening. There I you go. <laughs> so, first of all, let me say that I love the United States. No, of course I'm you just, do. Of course. No, that's because, not the issue. No, let, let, let me get... To the point, yes. This is my way of thinking, my conclusions. And but you didn't come up with this. This is, this is a widely believed... No. This is, this is, I came up with it, and then I've read it, and then I've, and then I've supported it. But these are my ideas. I like to think completely away from... When I see something that direct, I like to take different angles. And my conclusion was... When, oh, this is the bonus footage on the podcast. So if you're still <laughs> listening, thumbs up, Shaka. What my conclusion was or is... When as a, as a strategy, because it can, you know, before before 2008, we were all great. And, and there's a lot of vacation that, that a lot of money spent in Mexico from all the vacations, spring break, uh, winter months, the snowbirds, everything. Everybody came down to Mexico, either Cancun, Acapulco, Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, Cabo, 
you name it, Tijuana, Ensenada, everybody loved it. 2008 hits, there's the great, uh, the, the second depression, and what, the first thing you have to do is keep your money inside the United States. So what do we come up with? We come up with the, NH, the, NH, the H1A1, the influenza. So people get scared, and they, all the cancellations from all these places. Now, to remind people who aren't who aren't on this topic, basically, what happened was there was a flu that originated in Mexico. We were told. Yes. It's, Therefore, don't go there because you might die. Exactly. So I mean, but the influenza or the NH one H one or whatever it is, I, I thought it was a visa, but it's not. It's a it's O <laughs> one visa slash flu H one N one. Anyway, the the influenza. The only thing that it is is a is a non treated flu. Yes, and, it, and yes, people die, but people have been dying forever yeah. with this, and people will still die. Old and young, you're yes. going to die if you get yes. the flu. So what we came up with a story, either our government and your government said, hey, we need some help, help us out with this, blah, blah, blah. We come out with this, we explode it, we make it viral, and now everybody's canceling their Why would the Mexican trip? government be in cahoots with the American government on that? Why would they want? Because we also had it here. Oh, so you had Mexicans not going to America now? No, 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 no. We had, we also announced it. But why? Also why if it was detrimental to your economy? Because I think that 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 we still have, uh, you know, politics comes out in favors, you know, give or take, etc. We were so attached to the hip that it, we can do that. Right. But my point is that I can't get into detail. I what I can, what I do believe is that now you have all this money staying, so people are now flying instead to Daytona or to wherever, Texas or California, yeah. and their money staying, or, or maybe to other parts in the world, but their money, the majority of the money stays in Mexico. There's millions and millions of dollars in that America. are spent in, in America. Yeah. There's millions and millions of dollars that are spent in our country from tourism, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's part of my thinking. It was a strategy to do it. And then comes the war uh, on drugs, then comes everything, and now with the news, with all these that we said, uh, people are afraid to come to Mexico. And, uh, you know, after the petrol, which is obviously coming down, we live off tourism. So we need podcasts like yours. We need all other things to say, hey, Mexico is good. Mexico is, 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 is safe if you do and if you know where to travel, know what to do, and just, you know, do, do things with... Uh, don't don't be uh, stay, I don't know naive traveling or stuff like that. Just like any big city in the world, but that's I think that all of this was a strategy to maintain money inside the states, which I think it's fair enough. It's it's all good. Taking care. I, I mean, I whether or not it's true, I find it very interesting. I believe it's very plausible. I think I think ultimately the the saddest part is it's like I said, like I am just now finding this you know amazing oasis in my backyard you know when i went to iceland i came home and i was like go everybody go get there now go it's incredible the golf is rad it's such a great place i feel the same way about this like we'll go get here do it go play golf go explore go have your you know you know your morning routine or your afternoon routine do something else like i don't know the culture is just very noticeably intact which is something that's very important for me like even in places that were relatively touristy right like i actually found that i was still you know, um, able to connect to a semblance of its history and its current, um, you know, um, I don't the word I want to use is thriving kind of, you know what I mean? But at least like, um, at least autonomous to some extent. I mean, tourism is obviously a one way thing, but you know, um, doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't. And again, 
what I think or not think, it really doesn't matter. The fact is that people are afraid to come into Mexico. That's what I'm saying, yeah. That's the, exactly, that's yeah. the fact. So yeah. whatever we think, whatever happens, whatever is behind the curtain, whatever isn't, whatever politicians do in their, at closed doors, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. We come back to that, what can you control? Mm. You can only control from your level downwards. Yeah. And that's what, why being in this podcast is very important, to get that word out there that people should come and treat themselves to Chablé, to Cancun, to Puerto Vallarta, to, to Cabo, to TJ, and try the Caesar salad. Great button to end on. Dude, thank you. I appreciate it. Gracias I, a I ti. love Caesar salad. <laughs> Bourdain, not a fan of Caesar salad with chicken, though. So No, because uh, the, the original didn't have any chicken. It's just, it's just the regular recipe of, of, the, of the thick sauce. Would, you ever, it, would it ever be a Mexican salad, or it's just a Caesar salad? It will always be a Caesar salad. Got yeah. it. Okay. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Cut. Ha, 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 ha.